Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Good morning, everybody. So, my name is Blake. If you don't know me, uh, I serve here at City Church as the worship pastor and also pastor of evangelism. So Alpha is something that uh, I'm involved in along with a, a team that's here and will be here after every service. So you may know that we're in the middle of a series titled Expectations. And that's ironic because I was not expecting to be speaking this morning. So hello. Um, uh, I want to let you know that uh, Fran came down with COVID and we found this out at around 8 p.m. last night. Pete and Fran are isolating at home right now. Um, so my expectation uh, got changed big time last night around 8. So um, maybe you were expecting somebody else up here today, but here I am. You got me. Um, but I am excited to have the opportunity to speak and honestly believe not that, uh, not that God would make somebody sick, but that he would know uh, ahead of time that this would happen. I do believe God is working in this today because it just so happens to be what we're calling Alpha Sunday. Uh, and so I get the privilege to kind of talk a little bit more along those lines. We're breaking from the expectation series today because um, that would have been a lot for me to try to figure that out um, last minute. So, uh, has anybody ever been in a situation or a place where your expectation, well, it's funny, I am talking about expectations, um, your expectation was different than what happened? Uh, maybe you were set up on a blind date, or I don't know, who here likes surprise parties? Any people who like surprise parties? Who doesn't like surprise parties? That's me, I'm not a fan of surprise parties at all. Um, my wife would like them. Uh, my dad, he hates surprises. However, for some reason in my family, we decided for their 25th wedding anniversary to throw a big surprise party where we had a bunch of people come over. And uh, my sister was kind of the one behind it. She was brainstorming, well, how are we gonna get mom and dad home uh, when it's time to come home? Well, about a year prior to that, my parents had uh, pipes burst in their living room and it flooded the entire living room and for my dad, it was quite traumatic. So my sister decides she's gonna tell my dad, uh, dad, the pipes are bursting again. The pipes have burst and water is going everywhere. So she texts him this. Okay, so we wait 20 minutes. I'm sure they're speeding down the highway. My dad bust through the door with a look of panic on his face. And then everybody in the room was just like, surprise! And it really took my dad a second to come down off of that. You could tell like his eyes just looked panicked and he was like, oh, okay, uh, thank you. Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't too keen on that surprise. Um, I had a, a surprise that happened to me where um, one of my French friends when we were living over there, uh, invited me on a hike. And one cultural thing that I hadn't really cued in on yet was that for them, a hike is a totally different thing. We say hike and 
you know, at least I might think humpback, okay, 30 minutes up, uh, 30 minutes down, and now let's go eat pizza. And that's uh, what this hike's all about. But they actually meant a real hike. But he said, oh, we're, we're just going to go on a little hike. Uh, and I, I asked him, well, what should I wear? Like, are my tennis shoes okay and all that? And he's like, oh, yes, that will be fine. And so I show up in shorts and tennis shoes. And then behind me, you'll see the picture of the mountain that we actually hiked. <laughs> we were in the, the French Alps, and we hiked this mountain. And at first, it was very enjoyable. It was summer, so it was warm. But we kept going higher and higher, and it got very, very cold, okay? It got so cold that there was still lots of snow everywhere. And I was in my shorts, freezing, and my tennis shoes. I'm, I'm basically dying at this point. It, it, just imagine trying to do that without any preparation. I was a little younger than I am now, but, you know, it, it was too much for me. We get to the top. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated at my friend, but I just uh, chalk it up to a cultural difference. Well, we start to come down, and that's where things get really interesting. Um, we come down a different way, and we hit this part where there's only one way to go. We, otherwise, we're not going to make it down. And this, it was a, a slope about, I don't know, that steep. It was very, very steep. And it was completely covered in, in snow and ice. And so I'm looking at this thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can do it, no problem. Um, which is very French. I don't know why they, they totally think everything's very easily achievable here. But um, so me and my tennis shoes, I start trying to go down, and it's not, this is not going to work out. So one of the guys pulls out of his backpack, like, one of those spike, uh, metal spikes that you attach to your shoes. I'm like, it would have really been helpful to know that this was something that I should have brought with me. That would, but so he gives, gives it to me, and I start going down, and I slip. My uh, shoe slips, and I start sliding down the mountain, and at the bottom of this section were uh, rocks. It was like big boulders. So I just take my arm and I swing and I dig it into the snow as hard as I can. My bare hands, I didn't have gloves either. Um, and I just dig it in and I just somehow make myself stop because that was the only option I had. So we get home, Ashley's worried sick about me. I didn't have cell service. Anyways, all that to say, it was a very unexpected turn of events, I learned in that moment, whenever I'm invited on a hike, I will kindly say, no, thank you. How about coffee? Let's do that. <laughs> so um, my question for us is this. Where is, or hold on, sorry. Well, okay, so my question is this. It's when we're presented with these opportunities from Jesus, to into these unexpected places, to go into unexpected places, what are we to do in that moment? How do we respond? So I want to take us into scripture, and our scripture is going to be in John chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 17 and going through 36. So I'll give us a moment to uh, turn there, but I'll give some background. Um, this is shortly after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He's in Jerusalem. Um, what we're reading is shortly after as well, he's entered into Jerusalem on the cult. People have 
uh, praised him for being uh, the king of the Jews. And so we have this whole scene. And here's what the scripture says, starting in verse 17. It says, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to see Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip then went and told Jesus. And this is how Jesus replied. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Or another translation says, it produces a plentiful harvest of new lives. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And so it, it goes from there. We see that Jesus um, actually has a moment where he says, um, what shall I say? Father, save me. Should I say, Father, save me from this time? And then he decides, he says, no, this is what I've came for. Um, so we see that moment where Jesus is, is wrestling with that. And then we get to a, a point where uh, Jesus says in verse 32, he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. I'll also read verse 34. Um, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? So that last verse, there were expectations that uh, people had of Jesus as the Messiah. They were wondering, well, I thought the Messiah was supposed to live forever. They had this idea that a Messiah was gonna come and rescue them from the oppression of the Roman people. But Jesus is talking about dying. So what I want us to look at today is uh, three points, and it's what Jesus calls us to, but he first modeled it himself. Jesus' first point is Jesus calls us to come and die. He calls us to come and die first to unbelief. First, we have to allow Jesus' death to produce new life in us. He talks about a kernel of wheat falling to the ground. We, we're familiar with this terminology. We're familiar with plants and that seeds fall to the ground and seemingly die. But then new life is birthed from that. And then those plants scatter more seed and more life comes. This is what Jesus is telling us about. But first, if we're going to experience this kind of death, we have to die to unbelief. Jesus is giving us a picture first of what he's about to do. He is going to lay down his life as a sacrifice. He's going to die, and from his death, new life will come. And then he asks us, his followers, to do the same. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You may have heard Jesus say in another passage, take up your cross and follow me. He's saying, I'm about to die. I'm asking you to do the same. So 
What does this mean for us? Well, first, if we die to unbelief, it means, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is believing or having faith in Jesus. Now, many of us in this room, maybe even all of us, do have faith in Jesus. We believe in him. But what does this belief entail? Um, I like to use the image of a boat or like a life raft where we, we can believe that it exists. We look at the life raft and it's there and we're like, that's, that's a life raft and that thing exists. I believe in it. But it's a whole nother thing to actually believe in it where you rely on it. Your life depends on it perhaps and you have to get in the life raft that is also belief, but it's a completely different type of belief. It's one that requires something of us. And that's the kind of belief that Jesus is calling us to. Now, the, the good news about this is that we're not, um, he's not just saying, you need to do better. You need to um, grow in this area. You need to grow in your faith. He's saying, no, rely on me and I will be with you. I will give you the Holy Spirit. We get his presence when we do that. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of, of my story. I grew up in a, in a Christian home, um, going to church since I was six years old. But for most of my life, up until I was about 19 years old, I was just going to church because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't know there was any other alternative. My parents took me to church, and I did all the good things, and I was involved in youth group. But my life outside of church didn't really look like a follower of Jesus. It wasn't until I was 19 where um, I had people walking me through what it meant to follow Jesus. I um, had a, an encounter with God in, in a time of worship where I sensed the Holy Spirit saying to me, no, you need to make this step, this decision to follow me and to actually get in the life raft, so to speak, um, instead of just looking at it from a distance. And from that point on, Jesus really did change my life. Now, he calls us to die to unbelief. What else does he call us to die to? He calls us to die to our own desires. And what's difficult about this is um, it's not only the bad desires that he's causing us to give up, some, or that he's asking us to give up sometimes. You know, we, we're all, because of church culture and our, our Protestant culture in the U.S., we're kind of used to these, this idea that we need to give up the bad stuff, like, like, okay, we get that. But what about when Jesus asks us to surrender the, the good things? Um, I want to tell a story about my, my family. Um, so the picture behind me that's going to come up, this is my little sister, Kylie, and she is three in this photo, but you probably can tell that I'm also younger. So she's nine now. Um, and I want to tell the story uh, about how Kylie came into our family. Um, my parents are restaurant people. They own restaurants in Richmond, Virginia. And um, you may have heard that the restaurant world is not the most savory world, usually. Um, and so the employees, now, if you work at a restaurant, this, this does not apply to you. But a lot of employees come in with um, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, and it's just part of the, the landscape of, of the restaurant world. Um, one of my parents' employees had a drug addiction, and she, uh, the, 
the short story is my parents were trying to help her get to rehab. She uh, ended up abandoning her daughter, Kylie, at my parents' house. And, um, and th- ever since then, she was three at the time, ever since then we have had her uh, and my parents have raised her. Now, she's now adopted. She's uh, officially Kylie Fleck. She's part of our family. She uh, is the most amazing person and joyful girl that you've ever seen. She's, she actually comes to church here a lot. <laughs> but um, my parents, on the other hand, though, my dad is 73 years old, and my mom a little bit younger than him, but they're raising a nine-year-old. They're going through everything all over again. Now, this is an illustration to me of laying down your desires for the sake of God's desires. Um, my parents laid down what they imagined retirement would be like. They laid down what they imagined raising or having grandkids around would be like. My 73-year-old dad just went to water country the other day <laughs> and he rode every single ride with Kylie. Um, and so like he was not expecting to be going down very steep water slides at 73 years old, but that's where he finds himself. You know, I remember being at the beach and I'm like the, the younger one, obviously between the two of us. And I'm just kind of laying in my chair, just chilling at the beach, just enjoying the relaxation. And I see my dad, he gets up, runs into the water to play with her because he's treating her as his daughter. Um, I'm like, wow, gosh, that's amazing because I didn't even have the, uh, the desire to get up and go play at that moment. But this is the kind of life that Jesus is calling us to, even our good desires. Um, you may know the Herreras who are here uh, at City Church headed off to Granada, Spain, uh, to be missionaries, full-time missionaries. They're letting go of um, being close to gr- their, their kids' grandparents, being close to family, culture. Um, it, it's a, they're paying a cost to follow Jesus. Not everybody is called to full-time missions. Not everybody is called to adopt, but we are all called to be people who lay down our desires for the sake of what God desires. Um, lastly, Jesus calls us to die to our expectations. Our expectations of what our lives are gonna be like, yes, like kind of like we just talked about, but even our expectations of who he is, what Jesus is like. There's some good expect, or there's some good things that we believe about Jesus that are good to, you know, we're gonna stick with that. That's what we believe about him. But there's other things that we may need to relearn what Jesus is like. Um, there was... Uh, a woman, a story was told to me once by a missionary and uh, a, they were discipling a woman, teaching her about Jesus and walking through scripture with her. This is the first time she'd ever uh, heard about Jesus. And so they're walking through the story, they're going through the gospels and they get to roughly to the end and she finds out that Jesus dies and she looks at the missionary and she's like, Jesus dies? Why, like, why would he die? Her expectation was that Jesus was gonna be this hero that didn't have to die. But, and the missionary is able to explain why he died. But what are some of our expectations that we have of our lives of Jesus that we may need to let go of? Um, there's a lot of uh, women that Ashley and I know from our time on the mission field 
Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of single women on the mission field who have died to their expectation of ever getting married. Not to say that they've given up hope, but when a woman uh, goes onto the mission field, she's sacrificing a lot of uh, those opportunities to find a spouse. And the reason I say women is because um, the honest truth is that men don't have that problem because there's a lot more women headed to the mission field. It just kind of like we, we find in our churches, our churches are, are mostly, they're filled with mostly women. Women are bold followers of Jesus. And these particular women, they're saying to, they're saying to, um, to God, God, I'll give up that possibility of ever finding a spouse because I believe you're more, you're more valuable to me. So we see, man, we see in the lives of people that laying down their, their lives, and this is what Jesus is calling us to. Now, um, there's good news here because this can, I mean, as we would expect, death is, diff, is not something that would be enjoyable. It's uncomfortable um, if we're talking about this kind of spiritual or uh, dying to things. It's very uncomfortable. But what we get is Jesus himself. Jesus is the, the reward. He's the prize. When we forsake all others, we get him. Um, and he's good to us. So the question that I want to end with today is um, why? Why is Jesus asking us to die to ourselves? And it's found in our text. It says that there's a plentiful harvest of new lives when Jesus dies and when we die to ourselves. You can see in the text that it that John, the writer, he talks about how the, um, the world is coming to know him, how when Jesus is lifted up, many will come to him. There's this idea that with his death and with our uh, dying to self, we see that Jesus uh, brings new lives into his kingdom. And that's why Jesus asks us to do this. So my question is um, to us, as we go into our, our lives, you know, we have this alpha opportunity, which is a, a wonderful opportunity for us to reach people in our community. And we want to encourage you to take part in that. But when you leave this place, you are that kernel of wheat that is being blown by the wind to landing in your neighborhood, okay? Or you're landing in your workplace. You're landing in your unbelieving family or in maybe overseas as a missionary, but you're landing in your sphere of influence and Jesus is saying, how, how can you give up your desires, um, your expectations to see my kingdom come in the lives of other people? Um, so I wanna, let's stand together. I wanna pray for us um, and then we're gonna respond in worship. And before I pray, I uh, just want to mention, we do have the entire Alpha team is here. Uh, and they'll be outside with tables to answer questions, to give you resources. You'll see in your chair, there's an invite card. Um, this, this card is meant for um, a non-believing friend, family member, or neighbor. And we, we really want you to pray about who you can give this to. Um, and while we do that, we want to encourage you that 
where the environment is a safe place to explore faith. It's not gonna, they're not gonna feel like they've been uh, tricked or like we're gonna surprise them with something. It's a safe place to explore faith. It's relational, it's comfortable, but we wanna encourage you to use this card and, and to hang it on your fridge or something while praying about who to give it to. Um, but let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for, um, for yourself, for you, that you were the first one to lay down your life for our sake. God, we believe that you died and in your death, you made a way for others to come to know you. And then you rose from the grave and you are the one who brings new life into us through your Holy Spirit and into this world by bringing people to yourself. Jesus, we thank you that you are creating a people for yourself because you want a people to love. You want us to be the objects of your love and you want us to love you freely in return. God, we ask that you would help us as we see in scripture that you have called us to forsake our desires, to forsake our expectations and to actually die to ourselves. God, help us to understand what that means for us. Lord, we ask that as we go throughout our week and future weeks and months, that we would um, lay down our lives for the sake of those who do not know you so that you may produce a harvest, um, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus, we love you and we ask that you would do this in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.